This is episode 233 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Control and Compound Financial. They teach real estate investors how to multiply their wealth using infinite banking strategies. For a complimentary wealth coaching session or to learn more, visit www.controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Welcome back to the show. Today I have Danielle Scheisson on the show. And uh, Danielle is somebody I've known for many, many years. We tried to put this together way back at the very start of the podcast four years ago, uh, but finally made it happen today. Danielle was into flipping quite significantly until the uh, lockdown started and then she decided that she wanted to get into long-term investing and now she's decided hey I didn't quite do it right I got into too many uh, high work situations in terms of a lot of work needed on the different units and she's actually selling off her portfolio once again to reset uh, where she's going to be building on with bigger acquisitions so uh Danielle is somebody who knows how to partner in a deal. She knows how to structure a deal. She's also known to do a lot of uh, public speaking on real estate investing, has a podcast of her own. And uh, we just dug into what she does as a coach, uh, what she, you know, how she breaks down a situation to make sure that she's making the right decision. Uh, we talked a lot about mindset in this episode and strategy and, and making that strategy fit because it's one thing to know that one specific strategy works, but it's a completely other thing to make sure that the strategy that works, works for you, fits with your desires, fits with, fits with your capabilities and the time you have. Uh, so breaking that down is absolutely critical as a real estate investor. And that is something we dug into pretty deep on this episode. Um, as always, I want to give a shout out to the GTA West REI meetup. It is happening monthly. And if you want to be notified of our next event, please make sure that you are in our private Facebook group. The link is in the show notes of this episode. Uh, click to join and one of our admins will approve you and we will hope to see you at the next event. So with that said, let's go ahead and jump into the episode with Danielle Chaison. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I've got Danielle Chaison on the show. I think we were going to get you on like in 2020 and that didn't happen, but uh, here we are, 2023. It was uh, bad timing because I remember that. I'm the one that canceled on you. And yeah. by the way, I've never canceled on a podcast before, but I think it was like December 19th or something. And I'll yeah. tell you, like, it's just a crazy time of the year. Oh, yeah, of course. To be like booking podcasts. No, no, of course. <laughs> no, I was I was very uh, fly by the seat of my pants back then. A little more structured now. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's great to, great to have you on. I know you're just doing the 30 minutes to wealth recording. I did. Which has not yet come out recently. So my wife interviewed you. She did. <laughs> She did. She beat me to it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. She's cuter. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, she's the, the better half there. So <laughs> very very good point. Okay, so uh, give me the story because a lot of people who are watching this won't be familiar with you, what you do. Um, I know you were just telling me you were at the multifamily conference. I saw some pictures of you talking. Give the backstory. How'd you come to be sitting here uh, doing this interview? Yeah, well, nobody ever wakes up and goes to school and says, hey, I want to be in real estate when I grow up, essentially, you know, mm -hmm. we kind of all buy into that mantra that we're conditioned to go to school, get an education and get a good job and all of that. So um, essentially, um, real estate kind of came to me later in life uh, when I was with my former life partner and he was a contractor and I said, mm -hmm. hey, you know what, I want it. And real estate was always just kind of calling. I don't know, there's something curious yeah. and sexy about real estate, right, that For attracts sure. us. And so I decided to get some education. We had bought some property prior to 
let me just back it up. So for yeah. 10 years, I was a landlord. I thought I knew everything. Like, that's the funny thing. When you're a landlord, you have some properties. Nobody else in my sphere had rental properties. We had a few properties. And I was like, yeah, I got this. I got this figured out. Mm -hmm. I'm investing. And then I decided to get educated. And yeah. then that's when I made the shift from being an amateur investor yeah. into a sophisticated investor. And when I got educated, I was primarily focused on flipping. I educated for a couple of years down in the States because there was nothing up here in Canada. Went down to the States, did some. Oh, you took some courses yeah. down there? Yeah. yeah. Well, there was, you know, it was boot camps. It was like intensive boot camps. And I nice. did a lot. I was there every six weeks doing like four to six day boot camps and uh, did lots of learning. Was that like the rich dad stuff or? No, it was fortune builders. Fortune builders. Yeah, okay. Fan Merrill. They actually, back then, I don't know if you remember in the early 2000s, there was A&E's Flip This House had just started. It was at the very I beginning. heard of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I never so, watched it. Yeah, it was at the very beginning of um you know the all the home renovation shows and whatnot. It was really the pioneer mm -hmm. show. And the guys on that show are actually my mentors. And so I learned from them. Then I came here, started buying houses and flipping, and I did that for five years, six years. And um during COVID, beginning of COVID, as you know all construction shut down for seven weeks. Mm -hmm. And I just sat back and said, I don't want to be just buying and selling anymore. I want to build a portfolio. So okay, then so I, you were flipping up to that point. Yeah, up okay. until then. And so, um, so yeah, so I just went into straight acquisitions and <laughs> bought, went into the multifamily space, brought on a partner, uh, multiple partners actually, but a uh, mm -hmm. couple of core partners. And then, um, yeah, all the while, when I was working up here in Canada and doing it, I was doing some coaching uh, because a lot of RIA groups are asking me to speak. And so yeah. just expanding on my knowledge and always learning. Like I am yeah. always in a real estate room learning because there's yeah, always sure. so much to learn. Yeah. I remember you were speaking on stages back then when I, that's oh, yeah. the, how we ended up talking about you coming on the podcast and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the multifamily conference just happened. Obviously that fits right in with your path being a multifamily investor. Talk to me about the transition. Um, you jumped right in, like you weren't holding real estate. You were not a landlord as of 2020. Well, I was. And when I was flipping, yeah. essentially like my mentors had taught me for every four or five flips, add, add one to your portfolio because you do okay, want to keep yeah, adding, yeah. right? So I had my rentals from before yeah. and then I started adding. Mm -hmm. And the ones that I was adding actually, um, again, 2015, I think was the first time I did uh, a duplex conversion from a single family to a conversion and it wasn't really a thing back then yeah and so all the duplex conversions that i did the numbers just worked out phenomenally so i held on to those ones and i added those to my portfolio but in 2020 when i decided to wind down the flipping and start yeah. doing multifamily acquisitions um yeah. i just started doing that and i wasn't flipping anymore Okay, but what happens, uh, you know, you got active income with the flipping, obviously that's a big mm -hmm. piece. Had you just put enough aside that you had enough time to kind of wait for cash flow? Yes, so I could do some refinances on the yeah. other properties to carry me through. Yeah. And so, um, but as you know, when you're buying real estate, a lot of people think they can buy some real estate and retire from their job right away. But when you first yeah. buy, there's not a lot of cash flow. This it's, is the conversation I have with some coaching students. It's no. Like, they all want to quit their jobs. No. I'm like, well, hang on. Your job's a bit of an asset in the short term. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. not only that, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of great benefits to having your job because then you have your T4 income. Yeah. You can qualify for mortgages well yeah like you're going if you're going off and talking to commercial lenders even though they're not looking at your income they still want to see that you have something paying you absolutely absolutely you're not relying on this property making money and you're going to suck and drive every dollar it has they don't want that so yep 
Absolutely. And so definitely that T4 income helps. What I do tell my coaching students, like, look, if you want, go vertically into something in real estate that will complement what you're doing, right? So maybe become a realtor, a mortgage broker, do something. But those aren't instant paydays either. They're not. Although if you get in with the right team, you can probably within six months start making something. Yeah. Well, that's if you go into a retail brokerage, it's going to be a hard go. But if you go into an investor brokerage. Yeah, where you're just around investor focused. That's right. And you can build out your portfolio like i i know uh rob chopra i'm not sure, yep, sure if you're familiar with him so he uh he transitioned from from being uh, in an electric uh generation job to mortgages but he had the basis of being a real estate investor so he hit the ground running that's right you know, just it was it was a natural transition that's right yeah i've had that conversation with people too it's like you have to decide what it is is going to be your act like what's going to put food on the table because not everybody's going to go out and find 10 cash flowing properties that somehow meet your monthly you know, needs as a as even then a, ten isn't gonna like if they're single. Yeah, family, unless you're Kellen Phoenicia yeah. and you have <laughs> you basically house hack in your house and you you know you bought it for two hundred grand like that's that's yeah. different like but that was like a ten year ago start for right. him like or you know maybe an eight year ago like in today's climate it seems a lot harder to do that um, I think the U S is one option but it's usually gonna be some some form of a combination of acquiring and doing some form of construction flip property management, arbitrage, like there's some element of all that for the now money piece. So, and that's the one piece that most people don't think about when they think about real estate investing is that there has to be multiple streams of income. And that has been no truer for those that said, no, no, it's fine. Even, Even being active because you can say, yeah, flipping is my active business and I'm doing real estate and building my portfolio on the side here for long term generational wealth. Great. What happens if 2022 happens again and you get caught with flips that you can't sell because mm. the ARVs have dropped because the values have dropped, yeah. right? I know a lot of people that were flipping last year. Unfortunately, you didn't year. go through it in 2023. I didn't go through yeah. it, yeah. But I know a lot of people that did and they were stuck with these properties that mm-hmm. they had over leveraged, they had private money on it and they couldn't sell for the values for what yeah. they were in it for. So they had to get really creative and work their way around that. So like even having an active business, say in flipping or arbitraging, because arbitraging yeah. too kind of shut down a little bit late last year in 2022, yep. it slowed down, the mm-hmm. values went down. And so all the income goes down. So having multiple, not just yeah. one, but multiple streams of income, and you pull all of that together, and then hopefully it balances out in the end, if one is underperforming, another will carry oh, yeah. and vice versa. Couldn't agree more. And that's, that's the way I structure my life. And I've made the mistake of relying too much on one stream. And what happens if that stream dries up like it's yeah. all great when you know you have clients coming in on one side of your business and then all of a sudden that side changes mm-hmm. what are you going to do now and uh yeah i think the best the best model is you you hire a team as you go you build your team and you you just diversify and keep generating the different streams absolutely and that's that's sort of something that's that's organically happened for me over the last few years but on top of that though mm-hmm. andrew i think it's really important to also make sure you have some liquidity and oh, I yeah. think that's where a lot of people also mm-hmm. got missed. Everybody wants to invest everything they have, but yeah. you have to have some access to money. So have some short-term yeah. investment somewhere so yeah. that if you do need to tap into it to carry something, you can. Yeah, like you would not, like you're not going to find a day in the last five years that I've had less than a hundred grand in my accounts, like just personal right. accounts, just for 
whatever. Like that's a comfortable just money sitting in my account. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas other people would look at me like I'm crazy for that. Like, oh, like you could be paying off debt with that or doing something else. I'm like, no, I feel comfortable with that. Or you could do some, yeah. like you can still invest and put that money to work and mm -hmm. put it maybe in a bridge loan or a short-term six-month construction loan. You could do some of that. You can, but I, okay. So for instance, um, one of my coaching students, I don't know why we're, we just keep coming back to my coaching students here. Anyways, he lent his money out on exactly that. It was supposed to be like a one-month loan and wouldn't you know it, he's struggling to get that money back because right. there are delays. And if you need that money or if you think you might need it, as unfortunate as it is and as inefficient as it is, it's almost the right thing to do sometimes to oh. just to just leave it in the account, even though it's not generating you a return. It's buying your sleep. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Yeah. You, you have to, I mean, you yeah. have to be able to sleep at night and to be yeah. comfortable. Uh, at the end of the day, everybody's situation is different. I 100% yeah. agree with you. Um, and again, if you have a hundred grand and that's what you have, I wouldn't put it all in one short term for oh, that yeah, for very sure. reason, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, in case they don't mature yeah, at the same time. Right. You know, yeah. like, no, but, that's true. But there's a that's way true. you can do things a little mm -hmm. bit to still make your money making money. Yeah, if, of course. But if you want to make sure it's accessible at all yeah. times, hundred percent. Like, like, yeah, if you got like a hard deadline, yeah. a hard deadline in yeah. 60 days and you want to make that work for that 60 days. Eat the cost. Might might not no. be a good idea. That's right. That was what I was getting at. That's right. <laughs> okay, so so your your dive into the multifamily, like that that's what I was getting at. So you were basically ready to to dig in and if it took a couple of years to really turn it into something that that put food on your table, you were prepared for that. Hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. but at the end of the day, here's what happened with my story. So I went in, I went all in, I went hard, I bought a whole bunch of small multis with my partners, but Danielle did what Danielle mm. knew, which was to buy distressed properties. Mm -hmm. So I bought them off market. They needed a lot of work, but I was done flipping. I didn't yeah. want to flip anymore. I wanted my time back. And because yeah. with COVID and everybody going online and being comfortable now with doing mm -hmm. courses online and Zoom and all this, I wanted to take all of the coaching and put it structured online. And so with buying all these properties that needed a lot of TLC, plus with tenants, grandfather tenants, as you know, can be mm -hmm. really quite challenging as well. Sure can. So it's just time consuming. I wasn't able to relaunch strategic success on, on an online platform, which is what I wanted to do. And so when 2022 happened and we bought, we bought through 2021. So we were like, okay, wait a minute here. Like 2022, all of a sudden the rates go up, cash flow starts dwindling, and we were in high cash flowing markets. Mm -hmm. So that was a saving grace. So we were looking at our portfolio, say, okay, do we need to strengthen our portfolio here? What do we need to do? Is there any like dead weight that we need to trim, cut the fat? And the more I looked at the portfolio with my partners, we're like, this isn't even what we wanted. We mm -hmm. wanted to buy larger purpose-built apartment buildings, yeah. But we went into what Danielle knew, which was... Well, yeah, falling back into yeah. old patterns, right? And I didn't catch it till it was too late. So anyway, long story short, mm -hmm. we decided to sell everything and we're going to hit the reset button. So now I got my time back mm -hmm. and now I've relaunched strategic success, which is why I was at the multifamily and doing like doing all of the coaching online, the real estate education online. Okay. And um, yeah, and now like when we come back into real estate, it's going to be purpose-built multifamilies and we want to so build So you've already them. liquidated it all, sold them yeah, all? Yeah, I got five properties left. One's okay. under, uh, of those five properties, there's one that's conditional right now. Okay. So there's just a few left. So are they I'm, all like, I guess they functionally serve as, as profitable flips or some of them were, were a loss? Some were a loss yeah. with 2022. Um, yeah. Not going to lie to I me, mean, we bought in 2021 and we're selling now, right? So Yeah, um, that, can, that can hurt. Yeah, so, yeah. but at the end of the day, um, I guess that's where the resiliency comes in and mm -hmm. 
um, I know that we'll make it on the back yeah. end. So it's the right move for us. It's not maybe necessarily the right move for someone else. Sometimes you gotta you gotta look position. at what you've done and see is it getting you to where you want to go. Absolutely. And, and I think it's like the hardest for us to like look at ourselves, our own situation sometimes and see it. Yeah. Whereas it's like if you could ask somebody else and say, does this fit with this goal? And well, it just helps. But when you think about it, Andrew, one of the driving factors, other than getting my time back, one of the driving factors to selling was we can find, we can maneuver it so that we can carry these properties until the market turns around. But does it make sense to lose time value, mm -hmm. right? Or do you just cut the losses now and then you gain it back? So if we sell, but then we redeploy, yeah. we're still going to make that lift. It's going to be on a different property. Oh, yeah, yeah. But if it's on a nicer property. So if you happen to realize a loss on one, take the tax benefit and that's right. And go put that money into something that's going to work better. Yeah. And for your time, right? Like how much, if you're putting all this time into small deals when you could put a comparable amount of time into a much bigger deal, say one 10 times the size. Mm -hmm then why not do that one 10 times the size? And it's not always easy for people to start there, but I know enough people in my network now that do that kind of thing. Right. And like my buddy Nick says, I, I could put, I could, I could do a duplex conversion or I could build a hundred square, hundred thousand square feet of self storage. Right. Both are equivalent amount of work. Which I'm is like, crazy, <laughs> but that's where, yeah. you know, that's where you have to look at the time value. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think just on my journey and as I see, my the path that i've gone and everybody who's following me and taking the same journey there's a lot of parallels like you learn mm -hmm. things and then you just outgrow the strategy and there's nothing wrong with that that yeah. is the real estate journey that we're all on and so yeah um, and then you have realizations along the way in time value yeah. speed of implementation all these things you know we start valuing them more right yeah being able to to scale a business and you know i have I think a lot of people have the same like oh, i want freedom i want to be out of my job and this is why we're you know we're talking well starting to be an entrepreneur is probably step one mm -hmm. because then at least you can design your lifestyle you can delegate things as long as you're an employee there's going to be an expectation that you put in x hours mm -hmm. so that's i think a natural transition i think a lot of people who follow this podcast and are in our circles have that entrepreneurial um, inclination which is why they're interested in real estate in the first place. They kind of thought, hey, there's got to be a better way. That's why we invest in real estate, right? Because it's that leverage game. It allows us to have cash flow, allows us to build wealth in ways that people with salary jobs can't. So yeah. that's part of it. But when people come to you and they want to establish that freedom, I mean, how is your advice changing today? Is it an outside of Ontario strategy? Is it a specific, you know, certain types of markets uh, that you're looking for? Like, give me the... Uh, Nicole's notes of it. Essentially, the first thing that I do is I take a look, I sit down with my clients and I want to know what their goals are. And mm -hmm. then I reverse engineer it from there. So like we take a look at your goals. What is it you want? And then right out of the gate in this mm -hmm. podcast, you nailed it. It's like there's passive income, there's active income. You need disposable income to survive and to live. Yeah. And when people have this, they come and they want to get into real estate and they come to me and it's like, they just have this dream that they want to go out there and buy real estate and retire, but you still need to have that disposable income coming mm -hmm. in the door. Because essentially what I tell my students, look, don't factor in the cash flow because that will take yeah. care of the maintenance and vacancies oh, yeah, that yeah. you like you're just not going to be able to yeah. eat all of that until seven years mm -hmm. seven to ten like that's just how it works mm -hmm. and so um so yeah so 
first thing I do is I take a look at what their goal is. Are they looking for passive income? Mm. Or are they looking for active income? Right? Yeah. Do they want to build a portfolio or do they want to get out of their job? Which one's more important? Yeah. And so very different goals and very different solutions. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what I do is I just mm -hmm. reverse engineer it from yeah, there. Sure. And then we identify, we look at your resources, we look at your network, we look at your experience, we look at your credibility when it comes to the bank and how much credit you can have access to, how much money, how much liquid money you have access to, how much private money you can have access to through angel investors in your inner network. Mm -hmm. And so we take a look at all of that and then decide on the right strategy to set you up for success. But I think Think that's the yeah. that's the way you got to start so many people and i created reverse engineering real estate it's, it's actually a course that i have mm -hmm. reverse engineering real estate because by going up on stage and then coming off stage people would always come up to me and say hey danielle can i pick mm -hmm. your brain i got this problem and then i started seeing a pattern and the pattern was is that it was the wrong strategy for for that person based on their situation. Yeah. And so so many factors, so yeah. many. So reverse engineering real estate really mm -hmm. dials you into getting into the right strategy for success. Yeah. So what markets do you like then for your own strategy? You're obviously building cash mm -hmm. flowing buildings. What are your go to markets right now? I right now I prefer cash flowing markets. I'm not buying because I'm selling. Oh yeah, yeah. So right? you're still in the liquidation so, stage. Yeah. So but yeah. coming back in, there's a couple of things that I'm gonna be looking at when I'm coming back into real estate. One mm -hmm. is I'm gonna be really putting more emphasis and respecting cash flow a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um at the end of the day, we tended to get really comfortable with where and being flipping like when i was flipping for so long i really wasn't looking at cash flow you don't need cash right because i was looking at profits it was a whole yep. different outlook and so when i was buying i did go into cash flowing markets because i did know that i mm -hmm. wanted to have that buffer uh which again was a saving grace god forbid i had mm -hmm. not gone into those sub markets and i was in more yeah. like larger markets i would have been hurt i would have been hurting like a lot of other investors but at the end of the day um i think cash flow is going to be key and also uh, tenant uh, landlord friendly states or provinces so yeah. wherever that so is not ontario <laughs> so but no but you know what when i come back in you say not ontario when i come back in deals here. i will be doing ontario but it's going to be new builds so i've already yeah. had this conversation oh, with my they're partners exempt from the uh, because of the rent control rent control right and so mm -hmm. and the reason for that which is really important because mm -hmm. with the rent controls and not not being able to not have those rent controls means that i get mm -hmm. to keep I get to protect the value of the property. Right, yeah. I get to keep the market rents yeah. high, which means I get to keep maintain the cash flow so that I have the cash yeah. to maintain the property. Like there's just so many mm -hmm. good benefits out of that. Not to mention that you get a, just a better tenant profile. So you have a new product with a high, yeah. high end of rent. So you have a better tenant profile. And so 100%. there's all kinds of different advantages to that. And uh, so that's going to be our our way into Ontario. Okay, so in theory, Ontario is good that way. Um, although, when did they last update that? Because it used to be after 1993, yeah. there was no rent control. And then that was updated in what, like 2015? Yeah, so they right took- Right before Doug Ford came in, it was the, the uh, whoever left before, I forget who it was, uh, yeah. did that. Kathleen Wynn, was it that her that did it? So then it was as of 20, what? 18, 18. yeah, November yeah. 15th of 2018, any yes. new units, yeah. So, yeah. Um, at the end, it's really hard for a real estate investor to maintain properties when mm -hmm. there's no cash flow and there's no cash flow if you can't maintain your rents at market rent. And yeah. I get really frustrated. Like we can go on a huge tangent here, Andrew. About socialists? I don't even wanna, <laughs> like don't even get me started because at the end of the day, yeah. the, the governments, 
sit there and paint landlords bad because the properties aren't maintained, but the properties yeah. aren't maintained because the rents are undervalued and there's no cash to put yeah. back into the property. So that cash has to come out of the landlord's pocket. And yeah. how is a landlord supposed to do that when they're just mom and pops that are working yeah. And they're just buying a rental property to su to supplement their income in retirement. Like you're punishing people mm -hmm. for taking control of their financial. Yeah, yeah. Well, demonizing them too. Right. Yeah. Oh, and de yeah, and demonizing them in the process. Right. So I think when people take control of their finances, especially in retirement, that just makes for a better economy for the nation. You should be yeah. supporting that. Never mind the fact that we're providing housing and we're oh, yeah. employing people to maintain these houses like we're not doing the jobs ourselves here we're hiring people contractors come in and do the work yeah, yeah create so jobs. We, i mean we're driving the economy anyway so yeah that's a bit of a tangent um i could like go no and I, you know, i've been <laughs> down that i mean i get our you know i've 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 engaged some of the people who you might uh, consider as trolls and you know tried to see hey what's the logic here it just never really goes anywhere because they'll just you know straw man arguments and you know they never answer a question um but yeah at the end of the day uh investors create housing they'll literally uh, apply for a permits and build a house or, or buy a house that would never have existed otherwise bring it into the market because their goal was to make a profit and improve their situation and mm -hmm. when we scare them all out of ontario it's going to 100 it's going to uh, make rents go up so so it'll actually totally backfire the more controls they put on on landlords it's just going to put less inventory into that market yeah. uh, so knowing that i see i know that there are investors in my network that are bullish on ontario and they want to invest here because they see the immigration we had yeah. we had over a million people in one year come into the country which is irresponsible uh to put it politely uh, from an immigration standpoint when we don't have the housing not even close can we keep up to that immigration level uh, and then you add the recession into it uh the hypothetical recession i mean now you're discouraging uh home builders developers from from pulling the trigger on new builds because they're not sure where values are going they're, mm -hmm. they're a little uncertain so that actually naturally uh, exasperates the problem so is there a reason to be bullish ontario on ontario my tangent yes there is uh, because of just a sheer supply and demand problem mm -hmm. But do you want to do business in a place where where somebody is going to tell you more and more what you can do with your property? That's the philosophical question. I look at Ontario and I think the mentality, like the mindset of people to elect somebody like Olivia Chow uh, to, you know, to kind of take us in the direction we're going. And in the fact that we have these discussions about what somebody who like worked an extra two jobs to save up the down payment to buy a rental property and they they poured everything they could and they worked weekends to get it ready to rent to you know to allow those people to be demonized and abused you know why not look at if the grass is greener on the other side <laughs> on the other side of the border or you know whether it be alberta or you know the states why not that's my thought but you have to be comfortable with distance not everybody's going to be okay with that um not everybody's got the experience and the mental fortitude to to be able to to stomach that because it can be difficult to invest at a distance sure it can be it, mm -hmm. it can be however there's pros and cons to everything mm -hmm. and so you really got to look at your situation look at what you can stomach look at your risk tolerance mm -hmm. and look at the pros and cons of doing either or mm -hmm. like to come back to your question about you know should you be bullish in ontario there's again there's lots of pros lots which of reasons, you yeah. which you mentioned but mm -hmm. there's also lots of cons which we've also mentioned mm -hmm. with the landlord tenant board and the restrictions and all kinds and you of have different an angle stuff. on it right like mm -hmm. there are angles like you can go into student rentals where people just turn over like I loved being a student landlord 
that's a great gig. That's way better than like doing it for family rentals. I'm telling you, the students are actually respectful. They're interested. They're like, oh, that's really cool that you own rental properties. <laughs> well, I think there's two sides yeah. of the coin, Andrew. I don't think it's yeah. been a great experience for many. Really? It depends. Oh, okay. Maybe it's just yeah. the way I did it. <laughs> well, you know, again, but yeah. that comes back to doing the yeah. work, right? And yeah. vetting. I'm sure because I know you, you're very good diligent. Product, right? Yeah. The good product, like you said. The better product, a brand new product attracts right. great students. So when when I had problems, it was with uh, poorer product. That's right. Yeah, and that's why that's one of the driving factors why yeah. we're exiting from our portfolio because they're yeah. all older properties. But coming back to not only a new product, but you also when you have and if anybody's listening right now and you're wanting to be in a tenant friendly state or province, when you're in a restrictive province or state, make sure you do the work on the front end because mm -hmm. that is the first line of defense is getting the right tenant. And a lot of people just want to get it rented. They have an mm -hmm. empty unit. They don't want to take a loss yeah. for a month or two. I've sat for four months before I find to the find right the tenant right one, yeah. because I know that that avoids maybe 10 yeah. or 12 months of lost wages. Yeah. But not only that, it's also the time invested in mm -hmm. managing that while I got problems with that tenant. Yeah. So you got to do, you got to be proactive, do the work up front. I agree. Right. And, so. and if you can, especially early on, meet them, talk to them yourself. Don't trust the property manager right. to place your tenant. You can trust them later to manage it maybe. But but if you don't meet and, and know those tenants and learn early on what a good tenant sounds like, are they reasonable? Like, Because I've had so many bad stories with managers mm -hmm. and they'll just throw in whoever because they want to start getting the rents going. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying they're all like that. They aren't. But uh, if you're not quite sure, meet the tenants yourself and and vet them yourself. Of course, down the road, you don't want to end up there. And I know with your multifamily strategy, you're not going to be there. You're going to be allowing somebody to place tenants for you. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. yeah. Yes, but no, because mm -hmm. like I've managed multiple managers. Mm -hmm. They all need to be managed. I think that's, again, another big thing that big mistake that investors do is that they hire a manager and they and then they check they out want, they go i've made that mistake yeah in that and it burns don't you, do that you have to manage yeah. the manager you have yeah. to run your business that's why they have yeah. an asset management position in yeah. larger reits yeah. and whatnot because you still have to manage the asset and the people running it and right. so with the way i do it i do kind of a hybrid thing so i agree with what you say like mm -hmm. you know make sure you meet the tenants so what i do is i have the manager do all the work and then you all of the call. street work yeah. and then they give me when they see a tenant that is maybe viable, mm -hmm. send me all of the paperwork. And yeah. I've had managers say, I can't send that to you because yeah. that was confidential stuff that they sent to us. And I go, yeah, you're my agent. You're acting on my behalf. Absolutely yeah. give it to me or we'll find a new manager. It's simple for oh, me. Oh yeah, that's a silly comment. It's crazy. So, so don't buy what similar. everybody says. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm just saying, yeah. right? So yeah. I've done similar. So I would hire the rental agent and then I would insource like my own team for the management. So I'd, I'd still have people boots on the ground and all that. Right. But the agent would send me the the applications right. that she thought were good and tell me, her, you know, this is this one's good because these other ones forget about. Mm -hmm. them. Yeah, that's that's a good way that you're not running around like a crazy person doing showings. But, but then you on still top get to, of that, to, to make the decision, not just making the decision, but mm -hmm. on top of that, book a Zoom call with that tenant. Oh, yeah. Right. So look at all of the paperwork, mm -hmm. read it, book a Zoom call and then ask them a few probing questions. Ask them some questions and make sure that when they're answering you, it correlates with what they put on paper, yeah. because what they put on paper sometimes doesn't is not necessarily the truth. Yeah, right? you can press them on on their responses. The other thing uh, to do is call the reference. 
Absolutely. Uh, always call a reference always. And, and find a mortgage broker friend to look up the address for you and make sure that person actually owns it. Yeah. Like if they say, you know, John Smith is the landlord, he'll give you a reference, you know, actually do some research and make sure that that's true. Right. Now, also, other cool thing I learned from Kayla Andrade is you can look on Canly mm-hmm. and you can search their names and see if they've been in any eviction uh, cases because right. it would show up on the online database for for the law like the law database right that's a gold nugget i was not aware of and i think that's an awesome one uh, not that it's perfect and then she has some sort of software that actually uh, tracks credit for tenants i'm not fully understanding of it but there's probably some stuff there she's a good resource for that yeah yeah definitely if you're going to be a landlord in ontario mm-hmm. you should be following kayla for sure <laughs> yeah I, I gotta get her on on the podcast again i've had her on way back when i just it's been so long mm-hmm. so it'd be great to get an update from her on what what's going on but she's kind of like looking out for landlords and how to like you know be a better landlord in ontario and succeed yeah and there's ways of doing that so mm-hmm. if anybody's listening to your mm-hmm. podcast you're already doing the right thing guys yeah by getting the information by listening to the yeah. podcast and and doing the work and i mean it doesn't it's, take a whole lot of effort you can just turn it on on your way to work oh yeah right listen to it and it's not hard to be a good landlord be good at being a landlord uh, as an investor in you know treating it like a business if you educate yourself mm-hmm. and that's not just podcasts i can't tell you how many little ideas i've got from my podcast guests like the 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 form using a google form or a jot form to take your applications yeah. ask every question um how to reduce the number of people showing up to, to showings like i'd get 100 people wanting to, sh- to see a showing but how many of that 100 are willing to fill out the form and answer some questions first that's right you know you can just whittle down the amount of of people to a manageable amount and and then make a good selection but that's being proactive and doing the vetting process like right. that is my yeah. process like w- when you're interested in yeah. you'll any, fill out a form it's like yeah. okay here fill this out and by the way it's not an application form yeah i don't it's ask, a request to see <laughs> it's an intake form yeah. and so you know mm-hmm. fill out this stuff mm-hmm. and then make sure that um mm-hmm they fill it out properly and then once they fill it out and they hit submit then they get emailed to them an online mm-hmm. calendar link to book. where they can book and i have yeah. slots open and they do all of that it's also letting me know that hey they're competent when it comes to tech because in my business yeah they have to be able to do e-transfers and communicate yeah. with me through technology and if they don't know any of that it's going to be more manual yeah. for me so and i don't want that so you do calendly so, bookings like 100%, every oh that's yeah. a good idea and then what happens yeah. in calendly yeah. then they go into my crm yeah. and then from there they get automatic email reminders mm-hmm. and so my no-show rate is very low when it comes to tenants and you know if there's landlords out there you know it's huge they book they they like and they waste so many people's time so many yeah Yeah. i mean i've had people beg and say can you please just make this one exception because it'll be outside the calendly times and they're like i can't make those times work can you make and i'll okay fine because i'm human and i have a heart (laughs) and then they don't show i'm like ah why do i fall for this every time so um but again you know we yeah. gotta we still gotta be human you know yeah. this is but this is great like you just i i had all pieces of that put together but i never used the calendly thing mm-hmm. but i also just used a booking agent like who would just do it all on right. our end but uh the more parts of it you can systemize the less you need somebody who you're going to pay a commission to and the more you could probably just go with somebody who you just pay hourly yep just say hey can you open the door show them through we've got mm-hmm. everything systemized mm-hmm. um and the more you have that it's like you either have manuals or existing systems then you know if somebody quits on you or isn't available you can just have somebody else sub in and, and then you, you can know, just the pieces plug are all play. there yep 
plug and play. I'm very yeah. big on systems. Like we're constantly always yeah. building and updating. Always. Yeah. Actually, my team, my yeah. team is really constantly frustrated with me because I'm always tweaking. Yeah. I'm always, you know, making it better. Like with the Calendly yeah. thing, like when they book in Calendly, there's an email with the confirmation mm -hmm. and they can reschedule, but they don't see that because mm -hmm. it's an email with a bunch of information. So I always send text messages, 48 hours, 24 hours. If you can't make it, click here to reschedule or cancel. Oh, so, so Calendly will send the texts and uh, stuff? My CRM does, CRM yeah. Does. And so, okay. and it's like, here's the link and I yeah. give it to them by text. And that's another thing that I love. Everybody has cell phones now. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I can send them a text and it's like, cancel or reschedule. So mm -hmm. then that way I know if they, they need to cancel or schedule. What's the CRM? Uh, active campaign. Active campaign and is that geared towards yeah. real estate or just it just happens nope. to work? It's for that? just a CRM, yeah. Okay. So and then you can integrate a plugin that does text messaging, and so you can have yeah. text campaigns. Yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering. I've never used like Buildium uh, or the other one. I've used Pluto, uh, not Pluto, uh, Pendo, but uh, there are a couple of ones that are like real estate specific. Which yeah, I'm wondering if you can do the same thing plugin. Probably can. I would imagine yeah. so. Most of them do, mm -hmm. um, and. And some of them actually have that functionality within the CRM yeah. itself. But if it doesn't, there's mm -hmm. usually a plugin that you can do it. Yeah, the tech is making it a lot easier. So there's like competing forces here. It's on one hand, it's getting way easier to be a landlord for all the tools. But on the other hand, it's, you know, the price point and <laughs> the changes in the market. So, but I think just knowledge, like, again, just learning from other people, what are best practices? This is why, like what I just learned from you, like that's one more piece that I could build in. Mm -hmm. But like, this is why when I, if I was gonna go invest in Cleveland, I wouldn't just go call up a realtor or start going on, on MLS or Zillow. I would go to Cleveland, find their investor meetup, go to that investor meetup, yep. shake hands, talk to people, have a beer, whatever. Go a couple more times, learn what's working for these people. What are the common complaints? How are they dealing with tenant issues? What are the you know the laws that protect tenants? It's Ohio, so I guess that mm -hmm. one's a pretty good one as far as we're doing. It's landlord friendly, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, so if you don't pay in Ohio, you're like out in a few days. So, um, so it's you know, but still, regardless of where you would you would want to follow steps like that, or at least I would, because that's what gives me the comfort to say, hey, I'm good to invest there. Um, I have a community I can rely on. These are people I can ask if I if I need a contact. And everybody's connected. Everybody has, you know, two degrees, two degrees of separation from everybody else. And if they do something offside, I'm going to hear about it. Other people are going to hear about it. They have a motivation not to do that and to attack with integrity. But that's what I like. And I talk about that a lot. So sorry for people who hear me <laughs> say that. But yeah, I 100% agree. And all yeah. of the new markets that I've been into, that's exactly the steps that yeah. I've done. And when you are looking at, and this is again another mistake that a lot of investors do when they go into a new market is they just go on MLS and they call a realtor and they connect with the realtor on yeah. a property that they want to buy and they think that that realtor can help them in the investor world when that realtor might just be a realtor an everyday realtor Which right most are right right how many most realtors are. percentage wise how many Less realtors are investor oh focused like like is it one it is it is a fraction of a percent that are yeah. investor friendly and yeah. you find them in the rooms that's why I said when I went to all of you these new markets yeah. I go to the rooms you go into those like find yeah who's running the landlord meetups in the, the, yeah. those areas find out who's running the real estate meetups in those areas and make sure you go there during that time and then that's where you make the connections with the investor friendly yeah. professionals you're not just going to find realtors you're going to find mortgage brokers yeah you're going to find the appraisers you're going to find the contractors like you're going to have everybody you need in that room and that's yeah. how you build the base to breaking into a new market
Yeah, and that's those type of people, they act differently too, right? Because they know their clients are going to be repeat clients. Absolutely. They have all that much more reason to treat you with a, a lot more care. Absolutely. Hey, this one's going to do lots of business, or especially if you're flipping, like, oh, yep. okay, you'll do another one, do another one. Um, I, I guess I'm, I'm just curious what your position is on this. Do you want the ones that are investors themselves, or do you want the ones that are just like, oh, I help investors, but I don't do it? You still have to look at their track record. Mm -hmm. If they're in a room and they're and that's who they eating, yeah. lead, you know, eating, living, breathing, they're doing real estate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Even if they're not investors themselves, because uh, the positive to that is they're not going to be taking your deal if they're a realtor. That's right. But they're just like for some reason they were never comfortable investing. Mm -hmm. Maybe their spouse or significant other wasn't okay with it but they totally got it and they were really good at their job. Mm -hmm. I'd be okay with that. Yep. I think there's a lot of pros to that, but because on the other hand, you deal with one that's an investor themselves. It's a really great deal. They're taking it for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's true. It's true. Unless you're getting into the big stuff where, you know, not everybody just has the money sitting on side to put down a million dollar down payment or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you kind of eliminate that problem. But at the end of the day, if they're only doing whatever it is, being a mortgage broker, a realtor, or anything like that, and that's all they do, and they're dealing with their main clientele base as investors, mm -hmm. they're going to understand what investors need, and they're oh, going to yeah, take care of you yeah. equally, as opposed to trying to build a portfolio of their own where they're going to be distracted yeah. and their own stuff comes first. I'm sorry, that's mm. just how it goes. Oh, right. Yeah, and sure. so like, I am a bit of a princess that way where I like to feel like I'm their top client. And mm -hmm. I expect that whether I am or not, I don't care. I just want to make sure yeah. that I feel like I am, which means you're responding when I'm reaching out to you. And I do expect that. And so if I am a lot of times when you're working with investors who are busy building their own stuff, mm -hmm or professionals that are yeah, yeah you just don't get the responses at the same time right unless yeah. they've learned to grow their business but if they have grown their business into a business they're busy running that they can't invest in real estate full-time they might buy a property yeah. here or there but they're just really not focused yeah. on that because most people can't run two businesses at the same time it is tough right and uh yeah i would say generally speaking my experience has been i'd rather have the guy that that invests or a mm -hmm. gal whoever mm -hmm. um I want the one who who invests gets it and yeah hopefully they're not snagging the same deal i am but <laughs> I, I mean you just you resonate on the same frequency you, you get things uh they fill in the blanks things go smoother uh it just ends up being a better fit in, in my experience i don't disagree yeah. i prefer the ones that are investing too just not the ones that are focused on yeah like, doing that as a full-time gig a, yeah i like so. yeah i like it when they like they've picked like there's so many people in our networks that are like mortgage brokers and agents because they wanted to be around real estate because mm -hmm. it was very it was a very good tool to be an investor as well so they can run that business that's active they have their passive on the side then it's a nice mix of both right because in ontario it's becoming less common that people are full-time real estate investors just because the cash flow is tighter. It could be a Especially lot easier. Now. It yeah. could be a lot easier. It was a lot easier five years ago. 100%. It was a lot easier two years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, before the crazy inflation. So what are, what are your uh, thoughts on where you will uh, you will uh, go? So obviously you've, you've mentioned Ontario in the new construction. Mm -hmm. That'll be part of it. Are you looking at Alberta? Is that something you're looking at? Um, I, I mean, two common places are Alberta, New Brunswick for yeah. a lot of people in our networks. And then, of course, the U.S. And the U.S., yeah. So New Brunswick, I looked at New Brunswick three years ago 
And a lot of people look at me and say, Danielle, why haven't you gone into New Brunswick? Mm. Primarily is because uh, there's an emotional component there for me that I wasn't able to cap. I'm from New Brunswick. Oh, yeah. And I have a really humble beginning. So I've seen a, most of New Brunswick is very poor. Yeah. And it's actually one of the poorest provinces in Canada. And with the rates going the way they were, I just didn't feel that it was sustainable. Yeah. And what I didn't see at the time was the influx of people that was moving there. Yeah. That's making it a little the Ontario bit. Ontario people 100%. moving out there. I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. I called that one. Yeah. And yeah. well, I didn't see that. And mm -hmm. I remember, I think it was two years ago, I was back home and I was at a hotel, brought my kids to the pool and stuff and we're hanging out. And I think everybody in the hotel was from Ontario and they were visiting mm -hmm. and planning to move. There was this one family, they're like, yeah, we're just waiting for a new house. And mm -hmm. so there, there's a lot of people that are that are moving there, that are bringing money mm -hmm. there. And also it's gonna like bring the economy up, jobs and everything else, because yeah. like, you know, you need services to the for the uh, increased population. So I don't know, I still don't know if it's fully sustainable where they're at. I yeah. don't know that they'll increase, the prices will increase any more than they have already because yeah. they had such a spike over the last two, three years. But they're up quite a bit, but I mean, still relatively way down compared oh, to the rest of Ontario, right? hundred yeah. percent. They're a lot lower, but they have spiked what mm, I'm saying, like from they, where, they were. From where yeah. they were. And so I don't know if it would make sense to go there now because I mm -hmm. think like, I think that you know the 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 curve where there was a lot of lift we've kind of missed that so what would your thoughts be you think rents would come back down i don't know if they'll go back down it's kind so of what one if they, of those if the things rents work today and the cash flows there today and you don't need to sell in the short run yeah it's still buy there that works 100 yeah because yeah, i think it's leveling off like i kind of feel like when it comes mm. to stuff like that the the property values may go down a bit but i don't know mm. that the rents will and uh i'll tell you i'll tell you unless there's a big influx of people leaving and i just don't see that happening there's people it's, are going there to say like and i think about these kind of things a lot like at what point is the canadian dream over for all these immigrants coming in and they're like wait a minute <laughs> this was misrepresented we're out of here will that happen will some of these new, new immigrants leave i don't know mm. that they will i think we're still getting a lot of applications but it's less so than before i saw a report that there was it was down in q1 uh, does that really mean anything no i don't know how many uh, applications they're getting uh, but let's just assume that there's going to be immigrants coming for some time. Mm -hmm. We still need a place to put them. Mm -hmm. They, they got to live somewhere. So for that reason, it's tough to see the prices coming down. Mm -hmm. But on the, you know, the uh, competing forces, obviously the rates. And, yeah. you know, maybe we got like, you know, grandparents, parents and kids all living under one roof. I mean, like that kind of thing's possible. Mm -hmm. So there might be some amalgamation, consolidation of families uh, that kind of helps with this housing problem. But when you're bringing a million in in a year, with a $500,000 target for like each year coming. I don't know. <laughs> this yeah. is why, you know, we have these debates and, you know, people ask and, and you know, we talk about where's the market going. Obviously, no one can predict for sure, because when you have two competing forces that are both monstrous, which one wins? You know, interest rates or immigration? They're pushing in opposite directions. But ultimately, though, Andrew, we have we are arguably in one of the strongest real estate markets in the world. Oh yeah. And that's it's not gonna change because of that. Mm -hmm. There's such a supply shortage. Mm -hmm. We couldn't build fast enough to make up mm -hmm. for the shortage that we have now, but yep. we're 
we're widening that gap by bringing in more oh yeah, yeah. more immigrants and so like yeah. one of the again another tangent one of the things that i don't understand why they're bringing them all into the already dense areas when we have so much freaking land in canada yeah. send some to new brunswick or nova scotia yeah. or alberta well, it's easier to get into the uh, other province i'm told i've never gone through the process but i am told it's easier to start in like newfoundland or new mm -hmm. brunswick than it is to start in ontario because that's like Ontario and probably BC are probably the top two targets and then everything else is lower, lower target. But naturally, if they're coming to Ontario, where are they going? Right. They're going to start with Toronto and then realize, oh, this doesn't work. And then they go outward from there. But why isn't yeah. the government saying if you want to come into our country, go into these less dense areas, less populated mm. areas and bring some, and just balance out like there's not as much a shortage in those other areas. Yeah and just balance out the population a little bit better. Like, you know, you could create beautiful new communities. We've got so much land here. And so like you bring them all in Ontario, we have such a crisis here. Yeah. I don't understand like two thirds of like 60% of all immigrants are coming here. Yeah, And it's such a small, area yeah. geographically and we don't have anyway i like i just don't understand why i don't know maybe we should run you and i should run for like politics i was about to say are you gonna are you <laughs> sure you want to ask me about the logic of politicians like i mean i called i called like all the economic fallout of what the lockdowns would do when they started in april 2020 on my podcast documented right there uh not saying i got everything exactly right my timing was off a little bit but uh it's like these things aren't complicated, which mm -hmm. to me means, and I really try not to go too deep into this because I don't want to, you know, get depressed or angry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's either ignorance, stupidity, like in there, or it's just uh, they they have other other motives. They have other agendas. Yeah, you it's know, politics. like somebody's somebody's putting money in their pocket to make decisions in a certain way, and that's it's politics. That's that's probably the best takeaway I have is that politicians, uh, their job is to get reelected. The one thing they're they're thinking about is how do they enrich their lives and grow within that job, and it doesn't mean becoming PM because for most of them they know that'll never happen because the one that goes to the top in my observation of it is the one that's most morally flexible is the one that will make it to the top <laughs> because they're the one that can be bought and mm -hmm. naturally they're the ones that's going to get people backing them money comes to them because hey oh you'll take care of us if you get in cool so that's the way i see it so because of that you know what do you do with that how do you turn that into something you can use well of course try and plan for it try and try and hedge yourself maybe don't have all your eggs in one basket knowing that political decisions could happen in say the city of toronto now that they have a new mayor um you know we could have new decisions happening in ontario if you know say the ndp got in or what have you i'm not that that's that likely but knowing that things can happen is all the more reason to hedge your risk invest in different places that's different right. types of assets yep so that if you get burned in one spot, it's not it's not going to take you down mm -hmm. and you can correct. Right. Like for me, I uh, getting into some hospitality assets where I'm not I'm not restricted by the Residential Tenancy Act, mm -hmm. you know, so getting into to different types of real estate where it doesn't apply commercial real estate. Right. There's something else you can do. So there's a lot of different ways we can pivot, take that information, not be a black pill about it, because I don't want to be that way. Um, and I really try not to even just get into it. <laughs> unless you get me going on it but uh just because i don't think it's productive like i, I i'd rather learn i i, I mean i want to take all that energy and just channel it into being better 
And being productive, yeah. right? Yeah. So you got to learn to work with what you got. And that's mm-hmm. why, like, if the landlord-tenant rules here mm-hmm. really grind on you, get rid of the grind. Like, yeah. I'm in that state now where it's just screw the grind, get rid of it. So mm-hmm. if it's grinding on you, don't invest mm-hmm. here. You don't have yeah. to. Go elsewhere. Lots so learn how to go. do it remotely and then go elsewhere so if it's not new brunswick maybe it's edmonton i prefer i do like alberta again because it's a a landlord friendly province i like calgary i lived there for 10 years i think everybody's going to edmonton right now and i think Mm -hmm. calgary there's a lot of possibility as well so i would prefer calgary Mm -hmm. so i've been thinking about that uh looking at tulsa just coming back to your answer your question that you asked me um what markets you know you're looking at the states i like any uh republican state i'm not mm. a republican i'm more but i relate more to the democratic side of things when it comes to politics however mm. um well in the middle but more on the democratic side um but when it comes to being a landlord and running a business definitely republican states so yeah um, oklahoma is that so i would definitely I'm, i am looking yeah. at tulsa right now so that, yeah so. that's that's one okay yeah i hadn't thought yeah. about oklahoma like everyone talks about texas and florida but i mean there's so much more. There's so many other states. Absolutely. I've heard great things about Tennessee. Ohio is obviously Ohio. one that people really talk about. Yeah. Um, but I mean, even I've heard New York State can be okay, just not New York City, but New York State. I've had investors come right. on and they've, they've, it's basically the comment is, it's better than here. Uh, right. So. And it's not far. Yeah. So if you are just getting yeah. your feet wet and doing it remotely, then you can jump in your car and get there in four sure. or five, six hours, depending yeah. on what city you're investing in. If you're in Ohio or um, or New York, it's really not that far. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah again, like going back to the same thing, like you probably will visit Tulsa. You'll probably- I would, 100%. You'll probably go to some meetups, shake some hands and, and really get a feel for what are the dynamics there? Mm-hmm. What are people concerned about? What what do you need to be setting as your criteria when you look for an asset? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it could be completely different than here. Yeah, and you need to talk to the people there too and mm-hmm. just get to know, like I recently learned that um, Indian, the city of Tulsa actually has given some of the land back to the Indians. So some people are owning now mm-hmm. their property on Indian land. So I'm, that's kind of all new stuff. So, so that's kind of like leased. I know, yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's a little, it's not leased because these are, owned properties Mm -hmm. but somehow so i don't know i don't know the details of it but you're gonna want to learn those dynamics if you're not on the ground you're not going to learn yeah and you do have to you know like you said shake the hands with those people that are in it every Mm -hmm. day and that are you know living breathing it not the realtor that's got a property for sale again it's one Mm -hmm. of the biggest mistakes that newer investors do is they call and they like a property the numbers look good they call the agent themselves they start working directly with the agent because you want to save on the commissions but then that agent's just not an investor friendly agent so they don't understand your needs they just don't no you're probably better off going you know starting with the agents and uh and working with one that is hopefully in your niche doing something that you want to do because then they can teach you. Absolutely. So you got a coach in there. So that commission yeah. that you're paying, yeah. you know, is, well, actually, sorry, as a buyer, don't pay con- commission. Sorry about that. But yeah. when, when you're out there and you're paying fees to your professionals, that yeah. is like your cost of education. Yeah. Well, indirectly, even as a buyer, you're paying, right? You could go direct and save a few bucks. But, Which I've done. Yeah. Like, so when you, when you. But the buyer agent, yeah. you're, you're effectively paying them because you could have got the deal a little cheaper without them, mm-hmm. potentially. Mm-hmm. But then if you hadn't learned the lessons, maybe not. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're getting something for your money. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So why Tulsa? Why did that occur to you? 
So I had um, I had somebody reach out to me and mm-hmm. kind of sold me on it. Actually, there's a mm-hmm. lot of people in LA, so we they gave me a, a whole presentation on the demographic mm-hmm. and the migration uh, from California and all of the different mm-hmm. industries that are there. And it's just really a healthy market, to be honest. Um, I'm not a big fan of Texas and Florida. I mean, I think mm-hmm. back to 2008. I remember 2008, 2009, yeah. Texas, Florida. Uh, Nevada, they all fell hard. Yeah, they did. They fell hard. And right now they're all climbing fast. And the mm-hmm. faster you climb, like the faster you climb, the bigger the drop you're going to mm-hmm. have, right? That's why Alberta, New Brunswick, with all of our prices adjusting here in Ontario, Vancouver, Montreal, they didn't adjust as much in those other provinces because they didn't have the spike yeah. in the rise, right? So I personally mm-hmm. like to go into kind of more stable markets, but they're also cash flowing better. Yeah. So right. Oklahoma in general is a cash flow market. Yeah. Yeah. To the Florida point. So where I'm investing in Florida, and I can't speak for the whole place, but uh, in the Southwest Cape Coral, Fort Myers area, they just regained their 2008, just like the high they had about two years ago. It's crazy. So, and then of course they had a correction down like Ontario mm-hmm. did, but not nearly as far mm-hmm. because they didn't go mm-hmm. as crazy in that specific area. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as a state, I think there are better cash flow states in general. It's not to say you can't find cities, you know, to be a, a residential landlord on and, and it works well. But if it's better in my mind, if you're going to make a move, why not make a move to a place where the deals are plentiful? Right. And, 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 the, exactly. and the economics make a lot of sense and build there because are you looking for a needle in a haystack or is it just needles, so to speak? <laughs> <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> Of course, not, not like, not like you find in Hamilton when you yeah, go into a that's what I was going to say. It's the only time when you want to see a whole bunch of needles. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, Andrew and I have been in some pretty shady places. <laughs> I've seen some ones. The one I was, uh, I was looking at it for another investor and I came into the place. And of course, there's needles. But funnier was like the water main had been busted. It was just dumping water on the floor. But they had cut out all the copper and stacked it neatly on the counter to come back for it later. Oh, my. <laughs> where's the logic that's comfortable they were, they were very comfortable and confident in, in their ability to come get that <laughs> yeah there's some uh yeah. yeah sometimes you go in some of these markets and you, yeah. you know you buy these properties and i don't know i think andrew i'm just done you know it's time to level up and yeah see that's the thing you hit that point yeah. and i've i've definitely hit that too and you kind of hit mm-hmm. that with the smaller stuff you're just like whoa what am i doing what am like I doing? You, you, you see all these other investors like people who are in our peers who are just simplifying things. They're, they're, they're using the tools, they're using the education that they have, and they're just going bigger. They're putting yep. in a similar amount of effort for 10 times the result yep. by going bigger. And not everybody's gonna be ready to do that, but you come to a point eventually where you just know, you're like, I'm done with this. Right. I've hit that so many times. <laughs> well, but there's, again, like when I when I map out kind of the real estate investor's journey, there's different points that everybody hits. And you're going to mm-hmm. land somewhere on that spectrum where you just stop. And some mm-hmm. people are happy with single families. Yeah. That's it. And they get nice properties. They get nice tenants. They get nice appreciation over time. It's a stable, yeah. it's a stable asset. There's nothing wrong with that. They have land. Lots to be said about having lots of but land. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying like that is becoming more and more precious as time mm. goes on, especially here in particular uh, yeah. in the GTA, in the greater Toronto area. But 
as you go on and maybe you're doing small multis and maybe you're doing mixed use, maybe you're doing commercial self-storage, whatever it is you're doing, multifamily, at some point, you just kind of find your niche, mm-hmm. right? You find your niche. And so I tell people all the time, like, you just got to, you got to travel the real estate universe, explore every star until you find your star and that's where you stay, hmm. right? So interesting. People like us, we kind of like, we have a high level of curiosity and yeah. we thrive on learning and being challenged. Yeah. And some people have that, but not to the, maybe to the degree that we have. Well, some people are, are more just okay with uh, the slow growth. They don't right. need the fast growth. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a mindset. And then there's other people like me who's just like entrepreneurial minded, super active, just mm-hmm. want to grow, grow, grow fast. Mm-hmm. and and just see just what i can do absolutely and that's a different mentality and both are fine it's just which one's you yeah which one are you in the probably most people are somewhere in the middle <laughs> well and that's the balance yeah. for most people yeah. we're definitely people like you and i are more on the extreme end of the spectrum yeah. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong there's no right or wrong in any of yeah. this and that's what i love about real estate there's no right or wrong yeah you know it's you get to build your life and your business the way you want as long as you're doing it ethically morally yeah, correct sure. and you're not harming anyone then have at her have at her and get some support along the way yeah for sure so where uh, where do people learn more about you follow you yeah so my instagram really active on instagram right now um so instagram if you go to my instagram account uh there's a link there for my link tree okay. you can click there mm-hmm. you can book a call with me there you can see what's going on um yeah. your handle is just your name yeah, Danielle.chason. Okay. Yep. Okay. And it's spelled C H I A S S O N, not A I. Oh, I would have thought A I for sure. I know. Everybody yeah. does. So yeah. it's C H I A S S O N. And I have the little blue check mark. So Sweet. if there's no little blue check mark, because I've had multiple <laughs> fake profiles, yeah. Um, even if you see my picture on the profile yeah. and in the post, they're just scamming them off of my main feed. So uh, yeah. if there's no little blue check mark, that's not me. Don't click anything. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good to know. I haven't done the blue check mark yet. I guess I probably should. <laughs> for that reason because then yeah, people know right for sure um, there is a i you know there's a verification process now so mm-hmm. uh without that check mark it's just how people look it's not oh, me for sure. yeah yeah that makes sense okay any final thoughts before we wrap up yeah you know what at the end of the day if uh you know this is what you want to do you just got to do it so there's yeah. a saying in real estate you know when's the best time to invest yesterday when's yeah. the second best time to invest today so don't wait yeah. Ultimately, uh, right now, prices are down. It's a good time to invest. People are like, oh, my God, are you investing? Rates are still going Mm -hmm. up. Yeah, of course, because rates are going to level off and they have. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that there's going to be any drastic moves. Um, There might be an increase or two or three in the future. We can't predict that. I don't like speculating. But you know now we're in a bit of volatile market. So just run your numbers conservatively. There's still deals to be had out there. And you have room for growth because the the, the numbers are down. And you can make the deals. Absolutely. You just just have to look hard and and do your homework. Be patient. You just got to be patient. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, Danielle, thanks for doing this. Thanks nice for to having finally, me. Uh, finally make this happen. Woo, woo, we yeah. did it. <laughs> yeah, we'll stay in touch. <laughs> Sounds right. good. Thank you so much. There are a lot of people out there talking about the infinite banking strategy and whether or not it makes sense for them. To find out what it's all about and if it's a fit for you, visit controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines, where my audience can gain exclusive access to books, podcasts, and webinars tailor-made for real estate investors.